Welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Hello, Jules. Have you had a good week? I've seen you quite a bit this week. It's been a blustery one. It has been a blustery one, yes. Mm. But we've all survived. We're all here. Mm. Managed to get into the office today. No trees down in the car park, so that's a bonus. There is a tree down on the uh, 3G pitch on the Queen's Avenue, which is the home home of Army Sport. So done a little bit of damage to the all weather pitch. Floodlights come down. So there has been a casualty. And I know various other military bases have taken a bit of a, a battering from nice to see you, to see you nice. Storm you nice. You nice, very nice. Um, what's the next one coming up? We've had Dudley, Eunice. Is there another one due this week? There's one on at the moment, isn't it? Is it Frankie or Francis? Frankie? or? Oh, okay. It's got to be an F, hasn't it? It sure has. Anyway... Let's move away from the storms and um, tell you about our guest coming up this week. It's a lady called Nicola Frail, a seemingly unassuming and softly spoken army chaplain. But don't be fooled, she is a demon on the table tennis table. Uh, there's a part of me that thinks you're either inherently competitive or you're not when it comes to sport. Uh, and I fall into the category of people that, yes, you know, <laughs> I, am, I am competitive. Um, it's, just, it's just there. Um, having said that, you know, I still love to just get, get on the table and practice. Um, it's fun to be able to do a little bit of coaching as well. Um, and I suppose that there's familiarity there. It's something I really enjoyed, uh, say, as a youngster. Um, and it's been great to be able to revisit that. And something of a surprise, I have to say, when I came in as a regular army chaplain to discover that um, there is table tennis. Now, Nicola was chatting to us at the Army Championships, which were held in Aldershot, and it was incredible to be surrounded by about 20 tables with active games going on and about 80 soldiers getting a go. So quite often there's a table if somebody's on tour or there's a table in the gym um, and people will pick up a bat uh, and have a bit of a go. And what you see here is a representation of that, of all standards, from folks who are complete novices um, and just taking up the sport and those that are playing at a national league level. So and everything in between. Now, Jules, um, you came up with, which I thought was a brilliant introduction to Nicola, the ping pong playing padre, but she wasn't too happy about the ping pong part, I think. No, I don't think we can call it whiff waff or ping pong. It is table tennis. And if you meet the steely eyed Nicola Frail, you will know why. You were mesmerised by it all, weren't you? I wasn't. It's not like I haven't been surrounded by table tennis. It was just so much. It was, they were so good. Like I'm... I'm someone who plays once a year every summer. My dad plays regularly, actually, and he was he was really intrigued by it. But can you it reach was, the table? Very funny. Mm. There were shorter women there than me. Mm. There were shorter men there than me. But um, no, I mean, I was I was always quite a what would you call it a journeyman sort of player. I'd sort of play every summer or play my brothers all the time or even play myself. You know, when you fold up the table. Just, I'm just going to make a note style. and put hustler. <laughs> down because i don't want to be caught out by your ping pong playing and and lose lose a few quid um it's definitely it's been affected by age and and drink i think um since my teenage years when i took it quite seriously but well thankfully um, thankfully nicola frail has stayed on the straight and narrow because now she's an integral part of that army setup and we will hear more from nicola later on Absolutely. Um, let's look back on what sort of big stories happening this week in the forces world. Of course, if we look at the biggest, really, the Winter Olympics are now over. Um, 
thankfully came out of it with a gold and a silver in the curling but as far as our forces athletes goes who are all involved in the bobsleigh the GB uh, foursome of Brad Hall, Greg Cackett, Taylor Lawrence and Nick Gleason came sixth they're saying it's like getting a medal because they've they've had to fund themselves jewels getting to this Olympics but I know that they'll be they'll be gutted we we know them we know that they're competitive and also because they've been on the World Cup podium quite a few times this season um, and in the top three, they've shown that throughout the season that they are capable. So, and their start times are so quick as well. So, I think that they'll be glad to have finished in the top ten, to finish in the top six. But I just think they'll be gutted with that result. I find it mind-boggling that when it comes to bobsleigh, that our athletes are self-funded because it is actually one of the sports that we can com- compete in. Mm. As you say, those start times are amazing. It's it's just a lack of perhaps taking to the sport at an earlier age and learning to drive on the ice that that probably costs us but sixth i mean you're talking fractions of a fractions oh, yeah. of a second yes yeah, it was splitting. half a second it was there half a second go. between them and, and third so it it yeah. is and on the funding thing i mean that's a, a wider sort of issue and yeah. i think um after quite a disappointing performance by and I'm, it's not necessarily the athlete's fault, but disappointing performance as far as what they're... I think they were aiming between three and seven medals and we only got two, um, the GB team. So there will be an investigation into what happened and, and also how funding is is disseminated amongst the sports. Um, you have got some news of a Gibraltar-based soldier who's done quite oh, good well. Old, good old Arnie Rogers. You remember Arnie Rogers from based out in Gibraltar? Well, he's only gone and smashed the record for the Gibraltar Marathon. Well, it wasn't the Gibraltar Marathon. It was the uh, Sevilla Marathon. And, uh, yeah, he smashed the record. Two hours, 28 point something or other. Now, you're you're a marathon runner. You've done the marathon before, haven't you? (laughs) I've done one marathon. I don't think that counts. Well, that does count. (laughs) I mean, when, when we talk of marathon, my mind always drifts back to the St. Louis Marathon in 1904. This is the Olympic Marathon. Of 1904, I think John Knighton was commentating on this one. <laughs> but it's it's the only event where where less than half the field have finished. I think there were 35 starters. Wow. One of them turned up in full flannels. When I say flannels in those days, that's what you call trousers. So a kindly fellow athlete said, mate, you're not going to get very far in those trousers. Let's, let's at least snip it off around the knee. So they snipped it off around the knee. And then the fun and games really started. Only 14 people finished. One guy set off and they only had one drinking station and it was an incredibly hot day in St. Louis back in 1904. There were only one watering station, which I think was about the 12 12 mile mark. And one guy got so thirsty, he stopped off at an orchard where they were making cider. (laughs) And he imbibed a little bit, ended up falling asleep under a tree. I mean, this is like the tortoise and the hare, isn't it? But he still managed to finish fourth. The, The person that crossed the finishing line first, there was an investigation because apparently... He'd been given a lift. So after nine miles, he got cramp and somebody gave him a lift to the finishing line. And then, and then he claimed to have, oh, it was just a joke. You know what I'm saying? I'm, Come on, guys, we're all in this together. It was just a joke. But he then went on. I mean, he was given a lifetime ban. But then the following year, he won the Boston Marathon. I'm not sure under what circumstances he won that. So, Oh, the joys of amateur I think, sport. I think it wasn't. Well, I don't know if it was amateur in 1904. Anyway, it was the Olympics. And so anyway, Absolutely. I'm sure I'm sure Arnie did it in you know he was well marshalled and but he smashed the record for uh, Gibraltar for the marathon and, well done and, Arnie 
and possibly hoping to go to the Commonwealth Games. Is yeah, that on the horizon? Yeah, it, that gives him the qualifying time for the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham later this year. So hopefully we shall see him there. Super duper. Well done, Arnie. Now in football, I went down to Portsmouth to see the second game of the under 23 tournament and it was a very convincing win for the Royal Navy. They bounced back from a 2-0 defeat by the Army to win 2-1 against the defending champions, the RAF. I spoke to their head coach, Lieutenant Chris James, after the match. This is his first into services as a coach. Yeah, I think um, the boys were really disappointed, obviously, at the end of last week. So it's been a, a week of trying to turn them around, get them refocused on this game and try and get back to playing the football that, that we that we know we can play, which perhaps we didn't do so so much last week. So, yeah, I'm really, really pleased with how the boys have approached the game um, against the RAF today. Um, it's obvious, obviously, what won you the game was, was the two goals. But what was it necessarily in the attitude or just the way that they played? They looked slightly neater, you know, slightly more organised. Do you think that that's what won them the game in the end? I think uh, the first 20, 25 minutes would look like an inter-service game of football. You know, really, really... Um, frantic probably not the way we want to play uh, we'd like to slow it down and calm it down a little bit I think then in the last 20 minutes of the first half and we spoke about this at half time um, we started finding our patterns we started playing with a bit more calmness and composure and then we brought that into the, the first period of the second half and I think that's where we scored our goals from um, worked well in the press really kind of gave the RAF some problems and they struggled for a little while to get out of their half and we've taken advantage of that and jumped on a couple of occasions and, and scored from that the last 15 minutes we um a little error from our center back but um we dealt with it we had to deal with it the cramp starts kicking in and, and we dig in and that's you know and that's the way it's going to be is that's always how it's going to be so yeah really pleased with the boys really proud of the boys now the uh, final match is coming up this wednesday and that will see the raf take on the army the army of course as i said won in the first round and um, the raf on a loss there but depending on how the scoring goes that could mean something for the Royal Navy I'm not entirely sure what the was that the, was that the 2030 Waterloo to Portsmouth pulling in when you were doing that interview <laughs> also my microphone needs some fixing as well it's a very noisy interview it was very blowy that was evening a, Jules so that's, I'll blame it on the weather we've mentioned this in a blowy week <laughs> now we had quite an experience on board HMS Queen Elizabeth the aircraft carrier this week Jules I mean to, for all intents and purposes it looked like an aircraft hangar because you couldn't see it from the outside, but it was impressive sort of going on board, wasn't it? And seeing the size of size of it. First ever boxing fixture or boxing, a night of boxing on HMS Queen Elizabeth. Great to be there. Uh, the athletes were brilliant. And just as you say, we could have been anywhere. We could have been yeah. in a warehouse. I, it would have been nice to have seen an aircraft or two in there, but obviously <laughs> they wanted it to be filled with people. But what, what a great place and venue. And, and thankfully it didn't sail whilst we no. were on board. So we're all accounted for. It, I, I felt more secure on, on there than I did in my little wooden house, that's for sure. Um, we saw some of the military's development boxes coming through, but you, Jules, have been to see some of the army boxes in Aldershot as they as they warm up for the inter-services. Yeah, so the army had their first show of the year, as you say. It's to prep them for what's coming up at what they used to call the Combine, the Combine services. Uh, it, it is the inter-services, so a great night of boxing coming up at RF Halton this year because the Royal Air Force are hosting... Uh, that's in the middle of March, but this was a chance for army boxers who want to be considered for the team to really hone their skills. And one guy who really impressed was Private Jordan Shaw. Jordan was making his debut in the Red Vest, having only joined the army set up this year, so just a few weeks ago, and he beat Dylan Clift 
from Ascox Green in Birmingham and I caught up with Jordan afterwards to get his take on what had been an exciting day for him. Oh, it was great, it was one of the best experiences of my life, it was a proud moment definitely. You probably didn't know too much about your opponent, that's the issue with, with these belts, so going into it, what were you expecting? Uh, well, funnily enough, he is a local lad from where I'm from in Birmingham, so I know a bit about him, but I didn't know how good he was going to be, he was a very experienced lad. So where do you see yourself going with the sport then, because there are some major competitions coming up, I'm thinking of the inter-services, and of course after that it's the ABAs. Yes. Uh, I don't really feel like there is a ceiling really, I, I want to go right to the top if I could make GB, that would be great, but first of all I've got to tackle the UCAS and see if I can get through them. So this was a stepping stone to prove your form and fitness ahead of that? Uh, yes definitely, my last fight was February 2020, which was before Covid. So a little bit of ring rust to shake off today then, and you, and you did it? Yeah, funnily enough I was expecting to be rusty, but once I got back in there it felt like it just come back naturally. What's it like training out of this facility? Oh, it's great because, you know, we get to train three times a day, which you don't really get to do in a civil world. And, you know, the training's good, the training's tailored and periodised, so you always get the best out of your last sessions. Yeah, your first bout after a couple of years, wearing an army vest, I mean, do afternoons get much better? <laughs> no, not at all. I couldn't have imagined this ever happening, to be fair, so I'm definitely proud. They're well clearing up behind you. They were... <laughs> They were absolutely clearing up. So the army boxers aren't in the gym this week. They had to clear the gym so the banks of seats were gone. Uh, the centre ring had been pushed back because the facility is being used this week by the uh, uh, army Brazilian jiu-jitsu athletes because they've got a tournament coming up. So they were they were moving up. Thankfully, they left Jordan and I alone. But yes, there was some noisy clearing up going they on. They could have waited a couple of minutes. It sounded like it took me back to um, the end of uh, our prayers every morning at school and we had to clear up the <laughs> That's what it made me think of. This is why you tune into this, <laughs> to hear about cats. I bring you anecdote after anecdote. Anyway, moving on. Morning, rugby. morning prayers. <laughs> yeah, I was at a Church of England school, so morning had morning assembly, didn't you? Mm. You you never went to school, as in you you were truant most of the time. That's not so you... that's not true. I was there briefly. <laughs> Can we move on? Rugby Union inter-services warm-up games are coming hard and fast now for all the teams involved. The RAF played a fixture against the British Police at Stourbridge Rugby Club, where the police ran out winners by 32 points, 28. Meanwhile, the Royal Navy men played Cambridge University, a game the senior service won 27-24. A match worth watching for the Army boys, Jules, because they'll face Cambridge this coming Wednesday. And I'm off to see the Navy play at Richmond. Another event that happened last week that kind of went a bit under the radar, uh, the Royal Artillery Gold Cup was held at Sandown on the 17th of Feb. Now, of course, this is a race that's been going since 1878. It's a three metre chase, but only military amateur riders can take part and horses, horses that take part and the riders have to have connections to the Royal Artillery. So it's a very small field normally, but they do have previous runnings at a healthy average of sort of eight, eight runners. They only had four this year and I think it's, it's a bit of a worrying trend. Producer Jamie was saying that actually across the sort of horse racing community, there seem to be quite a few races, only four runners. So I don't know what's happening, but it's it's affected the Royal Artillery as well. Hmm. I, I, I don't really know what more I can add to that. But yeah. No, I, it's just an interesting thing. And, I, you know, I, I want to sort of show that we've shown it. But um, the, the horse that won was called Rolling Dylan. And it was ri ridden by Charlie O'Shea trainer PJ Hobbs and they won the Royal Artillery Gold Cup of course the Grand Military the big one comes up on the 8th of March that's also at Sandown and Nathan Rahman who 
was riding a Nicky Henderson train horse, actually, Ballycross. Um, they came in third. And um, Nathan Rahm will also be taking part in the Grand Military Gold Cup. That's on the 8th of March. This is BFBS. BFBS. Forces Station. This, this is Forces Sport. Thank you for listening. I'm Kath Brazier and I'm joined as ever by Julian Evans. Now this week we went to the Army Championships, the Army Table Tennis Championships and we spoke to our guest today who is Nicola Frail. I think you'll find that lots of people play informally, maybe rather than actually playing in leagues or necessarily have competed. Um, so quite often there's a table if somebody's on tour or there's a table in the gym. Um, and people will pick up a bat uh, and have a bit of a go. And what you see here is a representation of that, of all standards, from folks who are complete novices um, and just taking up the sport, and those that are playing at a national league level, so and everything in between. And how long have you been involved in the sport? I started playing uh, when I was still at school, so primary school kind of age. Uh, for me it was a family activity, so both my parents played. Um, so I started and then played um, early sort of secondary age, starting to play league matches at that point. And what is it about table tennis? Because I th- I, people trivialise it by calling it ping pong, but... Yeah, know. not my favourite term. <laughs> strong line in, strong people line People trivialise, but, um, you know, we've seen it at the Olympics. It's popular. It's so fast-paced. What, I mean, is that what has attracted you to it? You said it was a family game as well. And that, personally, for me, it's, it's a family game as well. We have, we've had one in the garage since I was tiny. So um, is that what it is, or what is it that, that keeps you in it as well? I, I just love it. I mean, I've played, say, since I was a youngster. Um, had long gaps of not playing, and then always you know, eventually kind of come back to it. And, and part of the appeal is that you can do that at different stages of life. So you can play as a youngster. Um, you can take up the sport as an adult, um, you can come back to it, and hopefully I'll still be playing into my dotage, you know, and that's not true for all sports that you can do that. So um, hopefully, you know, there's longevity um, with it, albeit probably playing a little different style, you know, along the way. Well, I was yeah. going to say, looking at the talent on display, it is a real physical workout, but it's the mental aspect of table tennis that, that appeals to me. Some have described it as a very physical game of chess. <laughs> Are you, when you're playing table tennis, does it help you switch off from everything else? It does. Yeah, I, I can genuinely say when I'm playing, I'm not thinking about anything else that is, is going on in life. So it is really good for helping you to sort of focus in the here and now, that particular moment. And I think actually Table Tennis England have picked up on this in terms of mental health and well-being, that table tennis um, is really beneficial for low people. So it might be partly that it's social, uh, it tends to be that too. Um, but it also can be hugely competitive and it's to some extent what you make of it and you can slot yourself in in, in different ways in taking part. And that's, that's reflected I think in what you see here um, with novice players competing at the moment um, in the inter-unit competition um, alongside more experienced players as well. It's a very community-based sport isn't it but I know at certain times of the year a rivalry is ignited between <laughs> yourselves and the other two services. Absolutely. But away, you know, away from that intense into services do you guys get together you know and do you play as, as, as a tri service so we'll compete each year we'll field uh, two men's teams an a and b team um, at the inter services um, and a ladies team um, so we'll do that year on year um, and of course we're always keen uh, to, to beat the RAF in the navy um, the RAF in particular have a long and prestigious record that we are very keen always to to break into as, as much as we can um, so so we'll do that um, next month and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm finding it quite 
what's the word um, like a metronome it's that sort of ting 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 of the, I'm really distracted that's all I'm saying by the well, by the table done, to, I know exactly I'm, my mind's wandering one of those executive toys and you're gone for hours <laughs> I wanted to bring it back to the fact that you mentioned you have coaching from some of, you know, the, the nation's top players. Do you think that's a privilege that the military sort of it happens quite quite a bit in sort of military sports in that they manage to engage with those top players? Is that something that, I mean, I say privilege, but it's something that the military allows you to do because people want to come and help, you know, the army, the RAF, the navy. I think there's an element of that. We've been incredibly fortunate. We've had Alison Brough, who is uh, England's most capped player um, at an international level, um, come and coach us you know, on several occasions. And, and that's been brilliant to have. Um, and most recently, we had Jason Suguru, who is an ex-England player and professional uh, full-time coach as well. So we, we have been very, very fortunate um, to have some, you know, some great coaching uh, in recent years. Um, and we also are trying to do coaching development within our own players as well. So we have some players who are qualified as coaches or who are hoping to do coaching courses um, to be able to do a bit more to support at the grassroots level. And how does sport, table tennis most notably, because we're here and we're talking about it, but I know that you, you do do other sports, but how does that slot in with what I imagine is a very busy work life as a padre as well? So where does it slot in? Do you have to prioritise sometimes? Um, I, I think can you? <laughs> the work is prioritised over the sport is the, is the reality. Um, and then there are these uh, wonderful windows where hopefully uh, we're able to block out the time to actually come um, and both train uh, and compete. So that happens for us primarily twice a year uh, when we have the uh, round robin competition in the autumn and then we follow on with our championships um, usually in the spring. Um, and then look ahead to enter services after that. So we have three sort of major events um, and then sometimes other competitions um, in addition to that too. So some of us were able to get over to the Ulster Open uh, fairly recently. So that was a great opportunity to compete against um, some players from civilian teams as well. Well, look, you, you are a minister, you are a padre and I imagine that that has opened doors for you. But has table tennis opened a few doors to you? Have you been able to have a conversation with, with people using table tennis as a way in? Sport generally, yeah. Or sport, yeah, sport generally. I think as far as the table tennis is concerned, then uh, people just see me as another player. I happen to wear a different hat here um, as, the, as the president, and you know, I, I play on the ladies' team. So people see me um, kicking about um, in both of those capacities. Um, where I have engaged with uh, sport and I suppose an ex what I would see as an extension of ministry um, has actually been with Taekwondo rather than with table tennis. Um, not recently, um, but certainly a few years ago where uh, I was running some classes for, for adults and kids um, who were uh, from within the military community. Um, and so that was a lovely thing to be able to do and sort of replicates something that I did when I was in parish ministry. Um, of setting up a club to reach out into the wider community and uh, form some uh, connections there. So that, that has been a lovely thing to be able to do, certainly in the past. And was it that, that fact that you, you were able just to just completely switch off that, that took you back to the table? You just wanted something that you could just, as, as you alluded to, just that metronomic yeah. feel to it. Is, it. is it you find it relaxing, cathartic? Is it the competition element? Are you a, are you a dead-eyed winner? Is that where we're going with this? Uh, there's a part of me that thinks you're either inherently competitive or you're not when it comes to sport, uh, and I fall into the category of people that yes, you know, I am I am competitive. Um, it's just it's just there. 
Um, having said that, you know, I still love to just get, get on the table and practice. Um, it's fun to be able to do a little bit of coaching as well. Um, and I suppose that there's a familiarity there. It's something I really enjoyed, uh, say, as a youngster. Um, and it's been great to be able to revisit that. And something of a surprise, I have to say, when I came in as a regular army chaplain to discover that um, there is table tennis and you know, it's, it's all standards. And we have the opportunity to do this in addition to our regular duties, which is you know, a wonderful opportunity that most people outside the army simply wouldn't have or outside the armed forces. Yeah, seeing you at the table, your skills are electric. Do you do any other workouts, anything to help you with your, your fitness? Um, not specific to table tennis, um, but like everybody in the army, then you know we <laughs> there's there's always fizz. <laughs> and what about taekwondo? How does it complement the taekwondo as well? It's really it it, it's really very different. Uh, I think where there's perhaps overlap is in terms of core strength, um, and so that's necessary for both. And certainly balance and core strength for taekwondo clearly. Um, and that's beneficial also in terms of table tennis as well as you're moving rapidly from, from side to side and around the table. And how long do you think somebody would need to be at the table to hone those skills? <laughs> it's, it's impossible to say, I'm sure, you know, the more you do something, the, the better you become. But I th Yeah, I think table tennis is quite distinctive in its technicality. Um, what's probably quite deceiving if somebody is just looking at a match is the level of spin that a person is playing with and how technical the equipment is that, that people are actually playing with as well. So it just looks like a bat usually with red on one side and black on the other. Um, behind that lies um, uh, quite a bit of technology um, in terms of what a person is playing with. Um, and that is in many respects the unseen part of the game. So those that are playing will be watching for the level of spin and the amount of spin that is coming off the ball. Um, and that is not something, a skill that can be honed in, in just a matter of a year or two. So whereas in some sports you can transfer over and have transferable skills that can be utilised elsewhere, that is not true for a table tennis. Um, and so somebody has to build the, the basic um, building set, skill set initially, um, and then move into the more technical areas. Uh, and frankly, that takes years and years. Um, if we see somebody playing at an international level, for example, we will expect that they have picked up a bat in primary school and have been training ever since. Too late for either of us, Jules, I think. Well, I've heard about your prowess every summer. <laughs> but also, a lot of uh, sporting teams, when they're on tour, will get out a table tennis table. Yeah. You hear about the British Lions, I think in rugby, or football teams as well. You know, they all play these little inter into team little table tennis sessions so well, it's, a, it's a sport that you know we might scoff and chuckle at because it's if people might think of it a parlor game it's incredibly popular inside of london inside of birmingham lots of these inner cities because they might not have the space for a, a full-blown pitch that you need for something for another sport but table tennis it's it's really popular Absolutely, I wouldn't scoff at it at all. And it, it's a, you know, when you talk about tours, if you think about actual military tours in Afghanistan that I've been on, there's always been a table tennis table somewhere where you can, you know, while away the hours that you're not working, which is... Well, there was that American seven. soldier, wasn't there? Forrest Gump, who did quite well. <laughs> Took him all over the world. <laughs> well done, Forrest. Mm. Um, not a lot really much. If you do want to hear more from Nicola, then please visit the BFBS Sports Show channel on YouTube. And if you um, want to get involved in the sport, Whichever service you're with, you'll please do. I mean, it's it's a great sport to be involved in. I think we can safely say that if you're in the military, if there is a sport and you want to play it, there is availability. It's it's very very feasible like that. Um, 
we've spoken a bit about the Winter Olympics, Jules. I mean, we know that there's going to be a bit of an investigation from UK Sport and the, and the funding looking at that. Um, I wouldn't say it's a funny story and it probably wasn't funny for the athlete involved, but there was a Finnish cross-country skier, Remy Lindholm, who needed to heat pack for his um, privates to thaw out after he's a cross-country skier, as I said, the... The biathlon, I think, came down from 50 kilometres to 35 kilometres, but he was still skiing for over an hour, hour and a quarter. He finished 28th. But yes, he had to um, apply a, pe- a heat pack to his appendage. Ooh. I know. Where's he from? Can you imagine that. He's finished, so he should and, be used and, to the cold. And did he? <laughs> he finished 28th. Mm. He did. He, he finished, he, but... Uh, even uh, with that hot water bottle placed well, it's funny, gingerly normally... about his person. <laughs> Normally, you have to uh, apply ice packs for injuries, but this was the opposite, having to apply a heat pack. But best of luck to Remy. I hope he's fully recovered from that. Looking ahead, um, as I said earlier, we've got the Inter-Services Under-23 final week this week, seeing the Army travel away to Rainers Lane, where they'll face the RAF. And in Rugby League, the Royal Navy go in the fourth round of the Challenge Cup. They've already made history by getting this far, and they're up against Championship side Batley Bulldogs. That's an away game next Sunday, the 27th of February at 1pm. Remember, you can keep up with all that's happening. Just go to forces.net for the latest results and action. But that's it from us, from me and Jules, from Forces Sport for another week. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at forcesport at bfbs.com. You must know some athletes rather like Nicola Frail, who... You know, shies away from the media, but is a demon on the table tennis table. If you know anyone like Nicola who needs the recognition, we can give it to them. And don't forget to have a look back at all the chats with our military guests on the Billy FBS Sports Show YouTube channel. And of course, you can listen back to all the weekly Forces Sport programmes at bfbs.com slash podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm rushing through, Jules. Um, I'll see you in a week. Thank you for listening and see you all again. Goodbye. Goodbye.